three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Unaware by Bee Physiology. We're not film critics, we're not philosophers, and we are not living with a disability. We do, however, have a very unique insight into the lives of the people that we work with. You're listening to Be Real, Series 1 of the Unaware Podcast. G'day, good morning, hello, and welcome to another episode of Unaware by Bee Physiology, our official podcast. My name is AJ. And I am Harry. We are Bee Physiology. Mm -hmm. So this is our first podcast series uh, named Be Real, and this is where we actually break down movies and TV shows that we see um, and relate them to our professional lives as exercise physiologists and help discern whether what we see in those uh, particular movies and TV shows is relatable to, to what we see in the real world with people living with disabilities. Yeah, that was, uh, that was well said. And we, we preface it also by saying that uh, we're not experts. We, we obviously don't live with a disability, so we're not trying to explain how it actually would be to live with that disability. Like Harry said, it's more a comparison of what we see of it and then how it's reflected in that film. Yeah, so we're not philosophers. We're not living disabilities. We're not film critics by any stretch. Um, but we do have a unique position to look into the lives of the people that we work with. Our goal is to analyze how these disabilities are represented in TV and movies and then... Uh, help give our point of view on what we believe is maybe a false or a true representation of that disability in the real world. Yeah, so the goal here is for, you know, Harry and I to evaluate our own practice. Uh, obviously, we want to pr- improve as much as we can. So a big part of us coming together here is is being able to do that, but then also hopefully give you guys some information along the way. I'm sure there's things that we'll be able to tell you that maybe you don't know, and I'm sure there's things that we'll say that you know are wrong. <laughs> um, so by all means, reach out. Uh, we won't take any personal offense to it. In fact, we, yeah, we, we very much welcome it. Yeah, absolutely. Comment below. Spoiler alert. Yes. Spoiler alert. We're going to spoil every movie that we do (laughs) on this podcast. If you haven't seen it before, prepare to see it verbally, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, So the movie we chose for the third episode of series one is... The Fundamentals of Caring. And all in all, pretty good movie. Great movie. movie. Yeah, it's a cool movie. Yeah, it's a funny movie. It follows a supposed relationship between Ben, who was played by Paul Rudd, and Trevor, who is played by Craig Roberts. And Trevor's character has muscular dystrophy, yep. uh, or Duchenne muscular dystrophy, Duchenne's, I believe. Yeah. So there are a few different types of muscular dystrophy that we'll go over later, but in this particular one, Duchenne's is the particular one that Trevor has. It's also important to mention that in real life, Craig Roberts does not have a disability. No, and it's or he definitely doesn't have MD at least. Yes, yeah. So yeah. haven't done that much digging on the guy. <laughs> uh, we could say right off the bat that he does a, a pretty decent job. There are a few yeah. minor things that I mean, I'm sure every actor does their research before playing any role. But, Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. He's certainly done a pretty fair job of, yep. of portraying what it would be like physically. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah for sure. Moving on with the plot line. Uh, so, like I said, it's, it's following Ben's relationship with Trevor as they essentially trying to get Trevor back out into the world a little bit more. I mean, Trevor is a very funny character. Certainly has a good sense of humor even in the film, but still, I think on account of his his uh, health or on account of his condition, he's very refined to his home. And Ben, who is Trevor's caretaker, I hadn't mentioned that actually. Yep. 
is sort of pushing for Trevor to get back out there into the world, uh, and they do that All by for the going, first time. Really, he hasn't really been out in the world. Point, yeah. yeah, yeah, getting some life experience. Uh, yep. The life expectancy for MD is not huge. No, so it, it varies from different types. There's Becky's, Deshans. There's also a few other ones that I can't remember the names of, but essentially, life expectancy differs between the uh, the types. Uh, particular symptoms onset even when it act, when it actually starts affecting you is different as well so and it has something to do with the a genetic a genetic dysfunction that doesn't allow a particular protein to do its job which then affects the muscles of the body mainly starting with the skeletal muscles so the ones that you can actually actively turn on and then it can move into the smooth muscles and the cardiac muscles as well or the more autonomous muscles that we have and when it gets to that stage that's usually where the complications really come into, you know, staying alive. Because if your heart yeah. muscle doesn't want to pump, then you're in big trouble. Yeah, so as Harry was saying, so the skeletal muscle, I suppose, will affect your function and your ability to just live a life as comfortably as mm. someone without MD. But yeah, once it hits the uh, autonomic system, that's when you really start to... Yeah. To have some troubles. Yeah, for sure. So it's probably worth mentioning the other characters in this film, uh, film as well. For whom? So Elsa, <laughs> who is played by Jennifer L, we believe. We're mm-hmm. not quite sure on the last name. That was there. good pronunciation. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Elsa is Trevor's mother, who is also probably just as resistant um, as Trevor when it comes to first initiating this uh, road trip or that is then getting back the, out in the world. Breaking the mold, even because they have such a set in their ways plan and procedure and. I mean, the first, the initial 15 minutes of the movie is him kind of getting to know Trevor, and it's all very much within the confines of this schedule, this, you know, waffles at this time. He only eats waffles and bacon or sausages or something like that. He eats it at this time, this time, and this time. On this day, he might go to the park. On that day, he might do something else, but everything's, like, very scheduled. Yeah, he is English, which might explain why his palate is so, like, (laughs) weird and unrefined. I'm a quarter English. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> I don't know. No, maybe. No wonder why your teeth I mean, are so bad. <laughs> I look English. No, no. Um, yeah, so every step of the way is planned for him. Every day, every minute of every day is planned out. And obviously that is, you know, most likely, I should say, a product of anxiety. Yeah, so yeah. it very much is obviously a, a character trait, you know, that is specific to Trevor. But um, I think if you were living... With a number of disabilities or a number of conditions, you kind of have to become quite regimented about the way that you take care of your health because, you know, you're looking at medications, you're looking at the side effects of those medications. Mm. You know, there might be certain things that give you a good little kick in the morning, but come in the afternoon, you don't feel so flash. And this isn't specific to MD, but, you know, life in general, I suppose. Yep. And I think if anybody who's sort of had to follow that protocol for long enough, it becomes pretty cement. Yeah, absolutely. Cemented? Yeah, cemented. Yeah, cemented. Yeah. I think that it's just a it's a byproduct of his situation. He obviously, as the movie goes on, you can see he wants to get out there, even though he's resistive at the start. Um, and Ben plans this great road trip, essentially a road trip where if you are living with disability or you you know live or work people with disabilities, you know that a road trip is quite a logistical nightmare in a way, mainly because of. You know, especially if someone with MD, because there are so many medications, and the time which you take those medications is really important as well. And even missing a medication for 24 hours can cause a lot of issues. 
He sleeps with a sleep app machine as well. So he wears that every night. Getting in and out of places is difficult and we'll go into accessibility down the road. But, pun intended, but this road trip in itself is just a really difficult thing to plan if you're actually doing it in the real world. Yeah, so as much as, you you know, as a viewer, you sort of want Trevor to go on this road trip when the, the idea is first brought about, you do have a, a sense of sympathy for someone that is resistant to this for the reasons that him and his mother have. Elsa is also pretty resistant to the, the trip as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely takes some convincing on Ben's side to really get him out the door yeah. and get out of the living room is the, pretty much the, the the way he puts it in the movie. Yeah. And now look, we'll move like sort of into the movie and as it flows. But before we do, I want to mention something that comes up in the movie and I'm not quite going to give you the, the reason as to why it comes up until probably the end of the podcast. Uh, but throughout the movie, Trevor, he asked a number of other characters in the film to pick a number between 1 and 3,500. It's just like a game that he'll play. Yeah. But he's like, if you get it, then you... It's humorous. They you don't know. highlight it so much in the film that there's any real significance to the fact or to why he no. asked this question. No, that's right. But it is explained later in the film. And I suppose on. that's why, um, as an homage to the film itself, we'll explain that later <laughs> in the podcast. So this this movie really, um, it revolves around a relationship between a client and a carer. And then all the difficulties that comes with that particular relationship. They're, you know, they're tussling between this friendship professional demeanor like how do as a carer how do you act in front of a client that obviously you want to connect with that person otherwise it'll be the boringest job ever if you're just distanced yourself so much from the person that you're working with that you know you can't be friendly with them or anything like that so yeah well, that's a, that's a universal rule but i think with trevor specifically as well if you didn't have any sort of banter with trevor's character yeah right uh you would get nowhere i think it's yeah, yeah. for sure and he probably wouldn't have you on anyway because like at the start there's like a tiny bit of banter and then trevor agrees to have ben on Yes. So he's just like, yeah, okay, I'll take him. And it's also thing. worth noting that Ben, this is also Ben's first uh, job as a caretaker or as a carer. Yeah, So true. he comes into the film or comes into the role very fresh as the film starts. Yeah. yeah. So you can see the intimidation in his eyes earlier in the film, but mm. it sort of settles into it quite nicely, I think. Have you had any kind of experiences with that as, you know, working as an exercise physiologist? Have you had anything that kind of springs to mind that was a challenge when getting to know someone that you didn't know whether to be too friendly or too professional like what how you balance that out yeah definitely i mean one of my first experiences as an ep and uh you know working privately with a client uh was with somebody who was non-verbal and i now know a little bit more but even right from the beginning i didn't know very much sign language at all and i relied quite heavily on the support workers around that client through that, I've developed a pretty decent relationship with the, the caretakers as well. Or I, I would refer to them as support workers. And it was a huge part of me being able to build a rapport with the client. Now, with more experience, I realize that the best way is to probably try and build a rapport with the client first regardless and rely on the support workers as you need them because they're there to support. They're not there to basically run a session for you or help right. dictate things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But another side of that is for the very same client, actually, um, and only recently, there was um, just by chance a pretty excessive amount of turnover with respect to who his support workers are. I mean, some people will have one yep. support worker full time, and others it, it's a it's a full on role. So yep. if full you're on. going to be a full full time support worker for one client, you're with that person 
a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people get them in for, say, one day a week and they have, like, a schedule the same way that, you know, any other job might work. And, yeah, recently, just for no reason whatsoever, but there was a bit of turnover with the support workers and watching it affect the client was a new learning experience for me. I actually hadn't had to deal with that before. I had had such a good streak with working well with this client and him being, you know, I suppose adherence just the best word for it in terms of wanting to engage in the in the sessions and whatnot and being willing to exercise. I think the stress of this changeover, which is completely, you know, almost irrelevant to me anyway, mm. uh, became very relevant when it affected his mindset and then affected his eagerness to, to partake in the exercise yes, session. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's, it's important that, you know, as EPs, we acknowledge how significant that role is yes. and how assisting it is for what we do. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that, like, it's so rewarding when you actually get to the place that you want to be because you think, okay, I'm having a good time when I'm here. The client's enjoying themselves as well. And we're ticking all the boxes that we need to do. There's always a little bit of juggling that you need to do and different personalities clash and whatever. But, like, when you actually finally get to that place, working with that person is so much better you know yeah just so much better it's and but um what you were talking about before about the carers being consistent consistency is one of the most important facts when it comes to caring to be honest if you're consistently there even if you know you're not i don't know you guys don't get along at the start or something like that but consistency is key because you get the routine down everything becomes smooth the time difference between you getting out of bed um, you know, if you do have a disability, getting out of bed and getting to work or to wherever you're going in the morning can literally be an hour with a carer that you know and knows the routine and you trust and you transfer with to just a random carer who's come in and fill in, can't get a particular carer. So it's a revolving door of people as well. Don't know the routine can be three hours long, Lit- legitimately three hours long. Because you'll be hoisting everywhere, using electric hoists to transfer them around. And then if you are working with a carer for so long, you know, people want to keep that carer on. You know, they're like, we'll try anything, anything that we can do to have you stay on with us. We would love just because efficiency is key when it comes to caring. Yeah, and I suppose it's similar to what we see in the film here as well. You know, Trev is obviously pretty regimented with his lifestyle. And that same sort of approach, I suppose, you could put towards the way that you work with a carer or a support worker is, as Harry said, once you build that rapport with someone, a lot of the tasks that need to be done and things that need to be taken care of become unspoken. And it's just the the role of the job. And you're not asking for anything. People know what they have to do. And that makes yeah. life a lot easier and, as Harry said, more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. One funny thing I did find, you know, at the start of the movie is they really addressed the... The, it's kind of like an elephant in the room if you don't know what a particular disability is. And then this, you know, boy comes out in a wheelchair and is just acting crazy, right? He's yelling things out, he's screaming, he's, uh, he's you know, flailing his arms around and stuff like that, um, even though he's not really flailing his arms around all that much. Um, but Paul Rudd's character 
uh, handles this exactly as anybody else would. Like yes. he's yeah. just immediately on the back foot, and he's questioning. Like he thinks he's done something. Yeah. He has no idea what MD is. Or I wonder if he even knows that he's working with MD at that stage. I don't think. I think because she kind of tells him at the start. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I don't think. I don't even think so. Yeah. Well, there you go. Didn't even have his chance to read up on it beforehand. <laughs> yeah, the you know. Prank. Yeah, so, and, and you know, Trevor, the character, plays on the fact that muscular dystrophy purely affects the muscular system, not the cognition, not the brain or anything like that. So, it's like, you know, people say it's like living in a shell in a way because your body doesn't do what you're telling it to do, which is very, it's very confronting way to look at it as well your body doesn't tell you what you do but your mind's no just as powerful effect, yeah. as it would be without the the condition and it's, it's a great way and then obviously he reveals to ben the carer that he does not have any kind of cognition issues and he's fine and that as the viewer as well you go right he's just a normal yeah play. he's playing a joke obviously it's a joke on his own disability and he's just a normal kid no. I'd say, <laughs> i just said he's a normal kid as opposed to what you know, but yeah, I digress. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's it's um, he's just he's doing his thing, you know, and and that's fine. Is that right? Not, yeah, no, that's, that's good. Right yeah, 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 no, that was yeah. good. That was. I felt as though that that was a weird thing to say. I think we're gonna say a lot of weird things over yeah. the course of this podcast, but yeah, I okay. I like how quickly you picked up on that as well. That was impressive because it went over my head. So good. Yeah. Hopefully, so every, I'm not I should have I should not have said yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. On that as well, um, Trevor is, and I, I think we've sort of mentioned this so far, but I'm not quite sure if we, we've really cemented the point, is that Trevor is in a wheelchair. And that is because MD, like Harry said, affects the physical function and not so much the cognitive function. Yep. And off that, like one of the, I suppose, funny goals that Trevor has in mm. the film when he's being pushed to... You know, enjoy life a little bit more. Yeah. And his answer is, you know, what, what do you want to do? If you could pick one thing in the world, what do you want to do? And he said, I'd really like to take a piece standing up, hmm. which is... As, as an EP, you go, check. <laughs> we can do that. Though. Yeah, yeah, that's the big goal. <laughs> we'll get you up. Yeah. Well, funny enough, that's, that's exactly probably what the both of us did. Yeah. Like, immediately your mind goes to, how would you go about yeah. doing that? What, what are we strengthening? Yeah, and we're yeah, not going to yeah. necessarily go down that route now, but it's a good way, I suppose, of pointing out how something that you would never really think of as a life skill, being able to uh, piece standing up. Apologies to all the women out there yeah. for not um, being able to piece standing up. <laughs> I mean, up. you can. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we obviously take that skill for granted, and and you know, for Trevor or for Trevor's character, it's a, it's a it's a life skill that yeah. he has not been able to essentially partake in. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, seems trivial, but it's important to him, I guess. This that's, this kind of what this whole movie re revolves around is just what's important to this one, what's important for this one person to to enjoy their life, and then that's you know you, we can reflect on that ourselves, you know. Hmm. Well, should we basically get... I mean, we Harry sort of touched on it a little bit in terms of the logistics of, uh, of traveling and I suppose if we're getting specific to the character. So, yeah, Trevor does use a CPAP machine, which you, you more than likely have heard of before. 
Yeah. Uh, it's like a mask, I suppose. It provides a little bit of oxygen as you're sleeping. Well, yeah. I think a lot of people, especially someone who's... In Trevor's case, it's not because he's heavy set at all. He's quite slender. Um, but you see it a lot in people who are a little bit heavier where they have difficulty breathing at night time. Yep. I assume in Trevor's case, it's M- MD related and maybe it's a breakdown of some of the autonomic... Well, that's right. It's the smooth muscle starting to be affected, I assume. Yeah. And then if you're not breathing when you're sleeping, yeah, bad well, news, I mean, man. if you're not breathing asleep or awake, <laughs> well, you're in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. And this this actually rears its head in the movie as well. I won't I suppose I won't spoil the entire scene, but at one point uh Paul Rudd's character Ben reveals that he's left the uh Trevor's CPAP machine at another hotel or he's left it previously in the trip. And it is a pretty sort of like harrowing reminder at that point in the film of how important uh, Trevor's, I suppose, medications and, and regimen is because up until that point, things are actually moving quite nicely in the film. Well, I suppose there's that awkward initiation and whatnot, an awkward initial meeting. And yep. then you, they, you know, they develop rapport and they actually start to get quite a good friendship. And they start joking around more as well. Yeah, and it's yeah. really, really nice. And then that scene there where he forgets the CPAP machine, you're immediately reminded of how serious this actually is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tightrope walk the entire time, but you get lulled into a false sense of security throughout the movie, yeah. which is interesting as well. But in terms of you know, because Trevor uses a power chair as well, so those things I don't know if you know, but they're like they can be excess of two hundred fifty kilos, three hundred three hundred fifty kilos, depends on the actual kind of hardware that you've got in the chair. Um, so there are chairs that have, you know, lifting capabilities so people can stand up and um, get a bit of bone, bone um, mineral density or some, or even like um, blood pressure related uh, things you can use for just standing up in the chair, which is fantastic. And, you know, if you can get your hands on one of those, that's great. But they're extremely heavy and they're also extremely stubborn when it comes to, you know, navigating things. And a road trip through the states so you're kind of going through remote areas or rural areas and stuff like that so you can kind of assume that the accessibility around those towns and those parts wouldn't really be up to scratch and that pretty much and this shows in one of the 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 scenes in the movies as well when they go see this particular site or attraction and you know they get there and there's just it's upstairs and he's like well where's your where's your lift Oh, we don't have a lift. Well, how how are we supposed to get up there? He's like, oh, you know, we can. I don't know if he says we can take a picture or something like that. But that just goes to show, like, that would happen all the time. Like, I know in Australia our standards are probably different to the states, and you know, some places in the states are fantastic. Some places in Australia are fantastic. But I mean, as as a business owner, you're not required to have disability access. Um, It's just more around the. If you do have it, they have to be up to a particular code and specification. But, you know, as time goes on, I feel as though more, more and more places are becoming to are becoming more accessible for people in wheelchairs, which is great. But in this particular scene in the movie, Trevor isn't as lucky. No, I mean, it does make for a funny scene. So I suppose as a viewer, we're quite lucky. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it is definitely a consideration that you would need to have. Yeah. Um, you talk about, you know, Australian standards and whatnot. And it was mm. funny, this was only made, uh, or made known to me recently. But there are even some train stations within Australia that um, if you were uh, mobilizing using a wheelchair, you would essentially have to get off at a different stop and then find your way back to that point on account of the fact that you can't get out of the station. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, 
definitely like we're in Brisbane, Australia at the moment. They're getting renovated as we speak. There's always new lifts getting put in at different stations. But, you know, let me think, you know, six, five, six years ago, there was a fair few stations around central Brisbane area that you couldn't get on and off a train if you had a disability. So like people would actually, this is more back in the day, but people would actually live in accordance to where they can actually catch a train. So they're trying to live near Roma Street Station or something like that, or trying to live um, where they can actually get in and out of a train as opposed to you have no other option besides calling up a cab, which costs 10 times the price, you know? Yeah, and, and I, well, actually, sorry, no, you go. And I was just going to say, that's uh, it's getting better in, in Brisbane and across the world, but it's still an issue. Like, yeah. It's still an issue. Well, the point that I was trying to make with that as well was the fact that, like, you, I didn't know that, and, like, a lot of people, I suppose, wouldn't know that. I think you would expect that, you know, given the high standard of living that is, you know, pretty rampant across Australia, mm. you would assume that there would not be this issue, and yeah. it's it's weird to think that it is still, you know, I, I suppose a consideration for someone living in a wheelchair. Well, even think about it, you know, they can have a lift at a, at a train station, the fact is that technology breaks all the time. And if you see a train, if you see a lift out on a train station, if you go to a train station and you see the lift is down, I guarantee you there's someone who was using a wheelchair that got to that station and went, what the hell, man? What, do I, what am I doing? Have to get back on a train and head back to a different station and try and find their way around it because it's just, it can't be done. Yeah, so obviously, like, there's, you know, the lift's been broken as well, and then I'm sure everybody's seen it before, but there are still trains and buses rolling around, especially buses where uh, it's actually, like, the train conductors, drivers roll to, to hop out of the train and, and put out that platform yep. for somebody on a wheelchair to actually move in. Yep. Um, some of the newer trains, you can obviously go straight on, which is They're, like, a nice, nifty. smooth landing type thing uh, yeah. but yeah another consideration i suppose there's still you know it, it obviously leaves them open to access those those vehicles which is fantastic but yeah. you can it's another example of how technology is progressing for us yeah it's it's important to also think you know if you don't if you don't use a wheelchair it's really easy to overlook a one step you know that one step literally means that you have to go another way or you have to ask friendly goers by to help lift you up over that step. And that'd be, you know, some people that some people would take to that easily and just say, hey, can you give me a hand? Other, pe- other people wouldn't, you know, that'd be something they really didn't want to do. So even just a step or a, a lip of a door and like say a sliding door, there's always got those lips that you just step over. But, you know, things like that, they can really cause issues with people using wheelchairs. Well, that's one of the specifications that you talk about. If you're going to be a wheelchair accessible like location, yep. the ramp can't be too hectic. No. Uh, and I think that's the, the way that they put that in the manual as well. It has to be less than this hectic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The 45 <laughs> degree. Like, yeah, uh, of hectic dance. That's, that's a hard, that's a hard um, uphill climb. Well, can you elaborate as well? Um, we spoke about Trevor obviously using like a motorized wheelchair. Mm. Can you elaborate on why that's important for somebody like Trevor in terms of his function around the hand or basically the way that his body's affected and why a standard manual wheelchair isn't? Oh, yeah, for sure. So... At his progression with Deshan's muscular dystrophy, he doesn't... One thing is he doesn't really have the shoulder or upper limb strength to push himself in a manual chair. He does do some particular movements, especially like he does have arm movements and he does feed himself. It looks 
arduous. Looks like it's a difficult task for him to do. And he does have the ability to pinch on his index finger and thumb, which is a huge thing when it comes to your function being so limited. Being able to grab onto something like this could be, you know, a godsend for so many things. Just to be able to hold onto something, you know? Well, it may very well be the difference between being able to feed yourself and having to be fed. Correct. And That's again, you, t- you bring that back to this idea of being completely and cognitively, uh, cognitively aware. Yep. And then still being fed by somebody else. Yep. Like Harry said, there are some people who can take to those things well enough and there are other people who, who really don't like that. Yeah, and, it, and it's also the fact that that's just so much more coordination. Like having to get someone. If you're hungry, you need someone else there to feed, not only make you the food, which, you know, Ben does in the movie, he makes a lot of the food, but then that person has to stand there and feed you the meal as well. And, you know, there's a lot of people in Australia who are living like that, but it's just that difference, you know, having that function would be so beneficial to so many people, but it's, you know, it's just, it seems like a a little thing being able to pinch your thumb and finger like that. But I was going to say that a mate of mine, we went to, we went down the coast. He uses a chair. He signed into a room, disability room, got there. There was a lip at the front door, so he couldn't even get in the front door had to like push him into the front door then got to the shower there was a lip up into the shower and there was no space for him to like transfer onto the toilet as well if he wanted to use the toilet so that's that's a place that it said look we have disability modified rooms for accessibility come on down and enjoy the sights of wherever and you get there and it's just not up to spec like you just that might be the minimum code for someone, but the difference between someone using a wheelchair who's a para to a quad can be quite large, you know? So all those little things. And, and you know, that's a story that I've heard many times working with people with disabilities as well. You know, going up, going up into the mountains or whatever, get a nice hotel or Airbnb or something like that with their partner, get there and literally have to turn around and go back or try and book a last minute place because it's just... It's, it's unlivable. You can't live there, you know, especially if you're planning to be there for a long weekend or a week or something like that. You can't do it. So, yeah, it's not great a lot of the time for, you know, people who are living with disabilities in wheelchairs. Yeah, yeah. well said. I don't know if there's any points in particular that I have left to make about the movie other than going back to the 3500. Oh, yeah. Well, there's another a, a physical function thing is Craig Roberts, the the actor of Trevor actually did a pretty good representation of flexed hands and fingers. Yeah, he did do a um, really good job. Throughout the movie. That flexitone is something that just happens with, you know, a number of neurological conditions, you know, strokes and stuff. You get that fist where the arm is heavily internally rotated and flexed and the fist is clenched as well. And that can cause heaps of issues down the line. Then you can do all sorts of things like get Botox in your hands to try and uh, relax the muscle and everything. But in the movie, you know, his character, Trevor, is has the flexed fingers. And, you know, they, they you got to stretch those fingers out every day type thing, you know? Yeah, they bring that up early in the in the film. Actually, I think it's part of his like morning routine. What was it? It was like the his ITB, his oh yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Achilles. There's a, a few different muscle groups that are essentially like every single day. It's required that they're stretched down. Well, you gotta you know you, I don't know if I've said this in another podcast, but you gotta put in perspective. If you are in a position for so long, 
if you just seated in that position those muscles are going to shorten your hip flexors are going to shorten you know if you can't extend your fingers those muscles they will shorten and then they'll turn into contracture contractures are a physical change in the physiology of your tendons and your fingers and ligaments and tendons both and they shorten so much that you can't actually physically you can't move them back out otherwise you see that in the film as well i think he goes to give paul rudd's character the finger and it it comes out half cocked like that i mean that could be an activation thing where he can't just get that full extension or yeah it could be to the point where that finger hasn't been stretched you know enough to to stop the contractions from happening yeah, but as Harry said, he he did. Uh, was it Craig Roberts did a pretty decent job? Yeah, I think portraying so. that side of of MD. And if you have MD, like we're very interested to hear your point of view in the representation as well, because as much as we have a a unique perspective, we're still on the outside looking in, yeah. and it's important for us to try and learn as much as possible and and then try and teach other people about it as well. So, you know, if you do, you know, suffer from, you know, uh, any kind of muscular dystrophy, you know, let us know. How did this movie represent the disability that you have? How did you find that the movie represented road tripping with a a wheelchair as well? We're interested interested in that stuff. As that wrap-up point, I want to go back to the why Trevor would so consistently ask people to pick a number between 1 and 3,500. Before we do that, Let's do one one more point I just realised. In the movie as well, Trevor the young man is getting picked up by Ben the carer all the time. So Ben's leaning over the bed and scooping Trevor up, taking him to the bathroom, taking him back to the chair, taking him to the couch or something like that. Just he's doing all this lifting. A lot lifting. of the physical legwork. Literally lifting someone up. You know, he doesn't look like a very heavy guy, but it's kind of... I think any human being that is death by a thousand cuts in a way, you know, and still a heavy lift. And um, in Australia, it's very strict no lift policy as a carer, same as nurses and stuff like that. But I know nurses and I know carers who lift their clients, and it's kind of like they're foregoing their insurance. So if they do injure themselves lifting someone at work, they're not covered by any means to get work cover or anything like that. It's a risk that they're willing to do. You know, so for some people it might be a shortcut or something like that, which isn't a great w- reason to do it. But a lot of people do it because they, it's a love thing. You know, they love that person and they want to help and they're willing to sacrifice their body for the betterment of this other person's life. Really, that's something to take with a grain of salt because I don't think, you know, that's a great idea, obviously. But it goes to show that, you know, in this movie... If Trevor, if it was an accurate representation um, and everyone's following the rules, Trevor would be getting hoisted, hoisted. by an electric hoist and then you got to pack that in the car and then take that everywhere. So that's another thing. Some people have to take their own shower chairs, their own hoists, their own walkers and stuff like that. That's just so much gear that you got to take on a road trip. And, you know, it's not really brought up in the movie or anything like that. But I guess it could be a, a fact that Ben the carer is he's playing that loving role where he just does it because you know he wants to help him and the other side of it as well is that he's also as I said he comes into the film like it's his first role as a carer so it, it could be the love and I think it's happening so early in the movie where they haven't quite developed a relationship but it could also be 
his novice understanding of what it is to be a carer yeah. and whether or not that is acceptable. I yeah. mean, I mean, Trevor doesn't stop him. No. So I don't think Trevor's character would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably not. I'm yeah. wondering if there is any difference between the standards or the expectations for carers in Australia versus America, which is obviously where the film is based. Yep. And I have no real understanding of American healthcare, but from what I do understand, I can't imagine that America gets a leg up there in terms of being able to pick somebody up at work. And no, I mean all I hear is people complaining about it. So yeah, sorry if you live in America. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, all in all, I thought it was a very good movie. There is one important fact to point on before we go. Yeah, I just want you to pick a number between uh, one and thirty-five hundred. Okay, I'm going to go two one one seven. I was like, I didn't finish getting the number <laughs> in my head, but, but I know wrong. it. But I know it started with three, so okay. yeah, you are wrong. Um, yeah, the reason why that uh, comes up in the film, and like I said, this is a little bit of a spoiler, and it is a it is a nice moment in the film, I guess, to find out why it's brought up. The reason Trevor asked this question is one in thirty five hundred is the chance that I suppose a male has of living with MD yep. or being diagnosed with so, MD. Yeah. So one in 3,500 males. So something that it comes across as just like this random little game to pass the time as they're traveling actually has a lot more significance to it. And yep. it, it's a, again, the movie does a good job of like, you know, building it, you up as a viewer with like good humor and, and a good storyline and then having these moments of reality, I suppose, where you're really yeah. sort of... Exposed to the um, hardships or yeah, hardships is that what you're going for? Well, I suppose I guess if you're looking at it from the standpoint of you know one in thirty five hundred, what's the chances there? Yeah, well, it's one in thirty five hundred, yeah. but I it's, mean, what are the actual yeah, chances? Exactly, you know? like, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly how you think about yeah, it. And, yeah. and of course, we don't mean that offensively to anybody watching with MD, but yeah, yeah the chances are quite slim, I yep. suppose, when you look at it from somebody who doesn't have MD, and when you have MD, or at least in the context of Trevor's character, he obviously thinks that his uh, his luck was pretty poor in that regard. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, he's literally testing everyone to see if. You know, if they could be as unlucky as him or something like that, you know, it's quite a great way to help you connect a little bit more with his situation because it's like, you know, when you don't, when you're not living with a disability, you always think that you're not going to be living with disability, right? So it's just a nice little, I guess, reminder that things can happen and it's it's important to um be aware of that, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, one final thing, because I actually don't think that we mentioned this again, but Selena Gomez is also in the movie. So if, if oh, what we've Selena, yeah, if coming we haven't up, coming up at the end of the podcast, <laughs> yeah. Well, if she, if we haven't done enough to sell the movie for you, but you're a big fan of Wizards of Waverly Place or whatever that James Franco movie was Not that me. she was in, oh, I don't know, um, <laughs> Spring Breakers. Oh, yeah. I also haven't seen that, but <laughs> if you have and you liked it. Check out the fundamentals of caring, or yep. if you just want to know more about MD and you also want to get a greater understanding of what it is that we're talking about. Yep. If you're into good films, I think this is a great film. Hell yeah. I thought it was great, yeah. Yeah. Good representation, good acting, and, you know, even though there were things that were unrealistic in my eyes and as an exercise physiologist and seeing this stuff, it was a pretty well-constructed... Um, it picked its moments to show the difficulties yeah. of living with, you know, that disability. Yeah, so. they didn't have too many... Uh, they don't really have any, like, overt creative freedoms where they sort of ignored the, the condition for the sake of building a good story. They tried to stick to it as, yeah. as much as they could, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, 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 within reason, I think. Yeah. Which is important. I mean, you got to Hollywood it up a bit, but yeah. it's... um Yeah, no. It was well, Trevor's a good-looking guy, I think. I mean, 
<laughs> is he? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't seem like he seemed like a half good looking guy. So. Uh, leave a comment below, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, we are B Physiology. This is Be Real, our first series podcast. I've been Harry. I have been AJ. And have a good day. Thank you. You're listening to Be Real, series one of the Unaware podcast. I feel like I'm more aware now. Ha, 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 ha.